In light of the rise in cyber attacks, what can banks do to improve their backup of essential account information? Hi, this is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking about a new set of standards for backups. Our guest is Trey Most. He's the new CEO of the Sheltered Harbor Initiative at the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Thanks so much for joining us today, Trey. Thank you. So, Trey, uh, why was the Sheltered Harbor Project launched, and what's the current status of the effort? It was kicked off a while ago, but just recently formally announced. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because about six years ago, I was thinking about the fact that 20 years from then, I might be relying on the, the investment corpus of my, kind of my life savings, and I was using electronic statements as a means by which I could determine what the balances were in the accounts. And I thought to myself, you know, what would happen if those balances went away? You know, I don't have paper statements. I can't prove what's in there. It was bothering me for a while. And, and about four years later, I got a call from Doug Johnson at the ABA. He said, there's this group coming together following the Hamilton series of exercises, which was a public-private partnership uh, whereby simulations that uh, really took a look at the uh, Sony-style hack that occurred in 2014 and said, what if something like that happened in the banking industry? And we weren't able to take our backups and bring them back up online within a rapid or a short period of time. And in fact, it, maybe it took weeks or months to really come back to operational functionality for, uh, for our accounts. What impact would that have on customers? And we, are we prepared for that? And he said, you know, we need some representation from community, community banks. Is that something you'd be interested in being part of? I said, absolutely. This has been bothering me for a while. And what uh, Shelter Harbor looks at is we, I think, in the financial services industry can agree that we are the gold standard when it comes to uh, operational resiliency, protecting customers, and really being ready for a serious cyber event or natural disaster. But there are potentially holes in that and uh, areas for enhancement. And, you know, I, I don't know that I look at it and say there were holes. It's just, can we improve the process to the point where there is very little, if any, disruption in the lives of customers, in particular consumers, so they can go about their daily life, they can transact, they can conduct account inquiry and know exactly where they stand. So uh, Shelter Harbor really has been something we've been working on over the past two years, uh, focused on the banking and, and brokerage industry and really making sure that we had something that, that enabled us to be prepared for a serious, and I think the, it was either the Wall Street Journal or the, um, or Bloomberg labeled it as a doomsday event. So I, I wouldn't go so far as to say doomsday, but let's say it's a major cyber attack. Your systems, so both your production systems and your backup systems, because they're presumably connected through some network connection, are down are not accessible or are either destroyed or erased. What do you do then? And that's really the focus for Shelter Harbor. How can we take that data set that's produced on a daily basis, tuck it away somewhere so there's no way that somebody can access it through any network connection and have the ability to come back up online within a relatively short period of time to be as little disruptive to the lives of American consumers as possible. Okay, so Sheltered Harbor offers a set of standardized formats for data, encryption, and architecture that's used to enhance banks' ability to back up account data. Let's explain that a little bit and exactly what data can be backed up. Sure. And as you can imagine, over the past two years, we have not 
been very public about Shelter Harbor. And the reason for that is we didn't want to give a heads up to any bad actors that are out there. And so we've been slowly exposing um, both the banking industry and uh, broker dealer industry as well as the public as to where we stand with respect to preparedness in this area. And so I can talk about some of the general uh, approaches to this. And then uh, for those that are members of Sheltered Harbor, uh, they will have access to the specifications, the working groups, and a variety of, of uh, materials in order to actually uh, implement a Sheltered Harbor compliant uh, structure. So first off, um, what I can share publicly is that it is a different approach from your standard backup process. And uh, there are a set of standards that require that, that that data is backed up on a daily basis in a standardized file format. The data is then taken and put into an air-gapped, so that means it can't be touched by any network connection or logical connection. It's immutable, so there's no way it can be changed. It can't be degaussed, it can't be erased in some fashion. So it's immutable, survivable, and then accessible by the originating institution. So that institution has to have the ability to go back and, and actually retrieve it physically, but retrieve it. And a couple of other important concepts over the, over the last two years that, that really came out of the formulation of uh, what would work for the industry is originally we had thought of establishing a centralized data vault, something that was like a bunker underground that nobody could touch. But it soon became apparent that decentralized model would be, would, would provide for too many vectors for a major attack to occur and, and impact the centralized data vault. So it is a decentralized model, and that data is always under the control of the originating institution, which, is, which I think is important when it comes to the member institutions out there. So this is just for basic bank account data? Is it for anything else? That's a great question. So at this point, it focuses on consumer account data and business account data and it is the critical account information that an institution, so that could be a bank, it could be a credit union, it could be a broker-dealer, needs in order to bring the customer account back up online so that the customer can both access it from an inquiry standpoint, so see what they have in their balances, maybe see a, some of the past transaction activity, and then be able to transact on that, whether that's, whether that's to write a check, whether it's to deposit funds, whether it's to use their bank card, ATM card, and go about their daily life. Okay, so to clarify a bit, what can banks do by leveraging the sheltered harbor standards that they couldn't otherwise do? Uh, why do we need a standard approach for this? Well, I think we definitely have been, as I mentioned earlier, the gold standard when it comes to, to business resiliency. And from an operational resiliency standpoint, I think we're in, we're in good shape. So as we look at what happens if there's a natural disaster or if there's, a, there's an incident or a cyber attack, what do we do to bring the organization back up online and be able to transact on that information? The challenge with us is that it does take a while to affect that. And if we did have a major attack on an institution or several institutions or even a service provider, what do we do then? And that's where this really differentiates itself from our standard disaster recovery and business continuity planning. So let me talk a little bit more about what it might look like for institution and why that's different. So we talked about taking a standardized data set, so those files, backing it up on a nightly basis and putting it into a, an offline storage facility so that it can't be touched. Very similar to what we used to do with our backup tapes. Keeping it there, and in the event that a sheltered harbor event occurs, 
being able to take that information in its encrypted format, decrypt it, so the original institution decrypts it, and then brings it back up online through either a service provider, which would be a restoration partner, so a service provider or another bank in the case of uh, probably larger banks that might be able to do that, or a cold uh, storage site that actually can come back up online in a production capacity, and then be able to hook back into the various transaction partners, so whether that's card networks, whether it's Federal Reserve for settlement, um, or any other clearing type activities, and then be able to transact on that data within a 24 to 48 hour period for minimum transaction capability. Today, we don't have that capability in the event of a complete loss of data. Okay, that's very helpful. So um, is, is blockchain used in this? Does it play a role at all? One of the things that we felt was important for Sheltered Harbor to be effective is that every bank and broker-dealer that is a Sheltered Harbor member and is uh, complying with Sheltered Harbor standards reports that that is the case on a daily basis, that those backups are occurring, that that information is, is information that has integrity and is being encrypted in the, in the correct format. And we use a monitoring log for that. The monitoring log uses distributed ledger technology in order to log and ensure compliance with the daily backup process. Okay, thanks. Can you give us some idea of how widespread use of the standards is so far in this early stage and what your long-term goal is? Have you reached a point where you've got what you'd call critical mass? I'd say we've reached the, part, uh, the point where we have critical mass in terms of support in the industry, and that can be in the form of resources in, as subject matter experts, as participants within the banking and broker-dealer industry. We've got about 68% of the retail deposit accounts uh, encompassed by our membership and 56% of retail brokerage accounts. On a long-term basis, our goal is we would like 100% of the industry to be participating in Sheltered Harbor. It is that important. That would mean 100% of the banks 100% of the credit unions, 100% of the broker-dealers, and coming online will be 100% of the asset managers. So it's a big undertaking. It's something that we can't do overnight. We would expect that it's, it's got a long tail, but within the next two to three years, I would expect that we would be close to some of those numbers. So you're not revealing a specific number of institutions that are participating? We will keep it as close to our vest as possible at the moment until we feel that those who are not participating won't be targets by bad actors. So how does this work? There's an annual fee for using the standards, uh, and how do you set that price? It's depending on how big your bank is? That's, that's precisely what it is. There, uh, there's a modest membership fee. It's something that if I were a, and I, I do also represent a community bank, I'm still an executive, the executive vice chairman of Lewis and Clark Bank, a bank that I founded about 11 years ago. And so I have a particular sensitivity to ensuring that this is an accessible resiliency program that a community bank can implement and allocate resources to just as well as a, as a large institution. So um, it is something that we're looking at from the largest all the way down to the smallest. And in that, that line of thinking, the membership fees follow suit. So they're very modest for community banks. Um, and then the, the, uh, the membership fees do increase from there. 
Um, and what that provides participants is uh, a few benefits, um, access to obviously the specifications, but access to the forums and the working groups, the restoration mo uh, models, collaboration with peers that are going through the process, access to subject matter experts, and then kind of learning some of the best practices that we've we've discovered over the last couple of years. So it's it's more than just information, it's also help along the way. And um, I would expect that, you know, if we're targeting 100% of the industry, um, that those do need to be accessible fees. I should mention that Shelter Harbor is a nonprofit um, underneath uh, FSISAC. To clarify one thing, uh, do you have to be an FSISAC member to join it? Uh, while we would encourage you to, be so, to do so, we do not require that. Okay, and then and you can be any size organization. Is that what I heard? You can, you can. You must be a a, a chartered bank, a credit union, or a self-clearing broker dealer. And how does a bank go about getting started then? Just to wrap things up. It's a pretty simple process. If you visit shelterharbor.org, there's information about Shelter Harbor on the website, and there is also a join link, and that join link will have the selection for the size of the bank and it allows you to then determine what your annual fee would be. Okay, well thank you very much. I've been talking today with Trey Most of the Sheltered Harbor Initiative for Information Security Media Group. I'm Howard Anderson. Thanks for listening.